Hi, this is Bishop E. James Logan, Senior Pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship Church in Zion, Illinois. Welcome to our podcast. I pray you'll be blessed by a fresh word from God every time you tune in. This last message of this month is simply titled, The Other Side of the Cross. The Other Side of the Cross. Here Paul tells us, and I quote, but now is Christ risen. Christ is now risen. Christ has been resurrected. He is now risen from the dead. But Paul goes on to say, and he's become the first fruits of them that slept. Christ's resurrection from the grave made him the first fruits of all who would be resurrected. Jesus the Christ, Messiah, is the first fruits. The first fruit always ensures that all fruit afterwards is the same. <laughs> Jesus is the first fruit of all who will be resurrected. So then he is the prototype and the example of everyone who will be resurrected after him. So we get insight, we get truth, clues, if you will, of what our resurrection and our resurrected life is going to be like when we look at the life of Christ particularly his resurrection from the dead. Romans eleven sixteen says, for if the first fruits be holy, the lump is holy. If the first fruit is holy, because the first fruit sets the standard for all others that come afterwards. So since Jesus is the first fruit of them that have been resurrected, then everyone that is resurrected by the power of the Holy Ghost the same way Jesus was is just like Jesus is. As he is, so are we in this world. If you are saved, if you're born again, if you're spirit-filled, if you are a saint of God. So again, Romans eleven sixteen 16 says, for if the first fruit be holy, the whole lump is holy. And if the root be holy, then so are the branches. We can't help but be what he is when we put our faith in who he is. And this is very, very important because Colossians 2.12 reads, buried with him in baptism. That's all of us. Wherein also you are risen with him through faith, through the faith that we have in him. It is the faith that we place in Jesus. This is, again, why we must remember who he is. This is why Jesus himself said that we are to take his yoke upon us and learn of him, learn about him, learn of him, learn from him, learn who he is so that we can begin to imitate what we have learned about him. This is, this is the purpose of us being born again, is learning who he is, 
so we can be imagers. Remember back in the garden uh, or before the garden, we were made in the image and likeness of God. We are God's imagers. We should be looking like Jesus and growing in knowledge and growing in grace. So again, in Colossians 2, 12, we are buried with him in baptism, wherein also we are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. It's the operation of God that we also put our faith in. The operation of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Now listen carefully, my brothers and my sisters. All who put their faith in Christ Jesus were buried with him in baptism. All who put their faith in Christ are also raised with Christ by the power and the authority of God the Father. So the operation of God, write this down, this is very important. The operation of God is happening in your life. And let me, let me say it this way, and, and I'm not taking the scripture out of context when I say this. God is operating on you. Oh, bless his name. <laughs> I'm glad God is. Op- See, God has never lost a patient. Glory be to God. Yeah, 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 yeah. God has never lost a patient. Mm-hmm. So, so we ought to be glad. We ought to learn, hear me now, how to get comfortable with God operating on us. But now, now you need to understand, we need to understand that God is operating on us through difficult times, through situations that aren't always that comfortable. We must realize and remember what Paul says, and we know, Romans 8, and we know that all things are working together for the good to them that love God and are the call according to his purpose. Why? Because whatever is happening, God is operating in it. My God in heaven, whatever is happening to us. God is operating in it to make it work out for our good. That's why God has never lost a patient. When Jesus was baptized, we were baptized with him. When Jesus was crucified, those that put their faith in him were crucified with him. When Jesus was resurrected, those that put their faith in him were resurrected just like he did. We rose up with Jesus when he rose up. That's why nobody can put you down because the operation of God raised you up. They're just words. They can't put us down because we've been raised up together with Christ Jesus. It is the operation of God. Somebody shout, God is operating in my life. Being an operation of God, this is what the word operation here means. This is what Paul is referring to. Uh, Being an operation of God means it's a work of God. God is working in the believer. He's working in our hearts, our minds, our lives, our marriages, our families, our community. God is at work. It may not look like it. And the enemy wants you to not think of it or see it or pay attention to what he's doing. But I came to tell you and to remind others that God is at work even when it doesn't look like it. 
The operation of God also means it's a labor of God. God is laboring with us. It's a labor of love. God's not going to stop until he's finished making us what he wanted us to be. An operation of God means it's a performance of God. This is important. This is a performance of God. What's happening in your life and mine, what's happening in the life of every believer is something only God could do. It's a performance of one. It's a performance of one God. God is at work in our lives, just like God alone was at work raising Jesus up from the dead. Pilate didn't help. Caesar didn't help. And Satan certainly did not help. Only God used his power to raise Jesus from the dead. Moses didn't help him. Elijah didn't help him. Jeremiah couldn't help him. Only God did this. See, it's important, my brothers and sisters, that you realize what's going on in your life. Only God is up to this. God is up to this. Only God is doing this in your life. God is doing this all by himself. Nobody is assisting him doing certain things in your life. It's just him. This is what you got to learn. Sometimes you don't need all the help you think. Because God knows how to get it done. The operation of God is the energy and the power of God working in us, through us, and for us, because God is for us. I'm going to say that again. The operation of God <laughs> is the energy of God, the power of God that is working in us, through us, and for us. Because <laughs> God is for us and he's not going to stop until he gets us to the place called there. Romans 6, 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death. We already talked about that. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the father, even so we somebody say we. Even so we, my God, even so we are all should walk in newness of life. This is why we're changed, because just like God raised Jesus Christ from the dead by the operation of the spirit, by his energy, by his power and his divine authority, God is at work in us doing the same exact thing which puts us in the position to live a new life. I want someone to get it in their head and in their heart that you are living a new life. I know it may seem like you're going through what everybody else is going through that isn't saved, that doesn't love God, but you have a new life. You may be going through life, but you got, you're going through life with a new life. You're not, we're not going through life with the old life. We're going through life with a new life. The immediate effect of the resurrection of Jesus Christ on the life of a believer is a new life. Mm -hmm. Let me stop and pause 
say this again. Again, this is why we must remember. Remembering is what? Remember I taught you. Remembering is keeping things alive. Whatever we remember, we keep alive. Whatever we forget, we allow to die. God told Israel in bringing them out of Egypt, in giving them the law, he tells them what to remember and how to remember it. Put phylacteries, put a box on your head with the law, wrap around your arm, leather. And so whenever you're working, you remember, write it on the doorpost. The word, so you remember. God is the one that tells us what's important to remember. We have allowed the world to tell us what's important to remember. I bet you never forget March Madness. You won't forget the playoffs. You won't forget LeBron ain't in the play. Come on now. You need to remember what God tells you to remember because that what's, that's what stays alive in you. And we need the resurrection power of God alive in us. This is why the world wants us to think about bunnies and eggs and not the resurrection. There's no power in bunnies and eggs. But there's power in the resurrected Jesus because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and I and therefore as we study and learn and remember what happened during the resurrection we can expect the same power and the same hear me now and the same results to happen in our lives today During, um, this is so important to remember. I have no words, no adjectives to describe how important it is for believers to remember the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus was so powerful that during his crucifixion, during his crucifixion, things changed in heaven, in hell, and on earth. During the crucifixion, things changed. Matthew 27, verses 51 uh, through 53, Pastor Cam talked about it a little bit Sunday. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in two from top to bottom, and the earth did quake. This is while Jesus was dying. This is at the point of his death. He hadn't even been resurrected yet, but his death was so powerful. Verse 52 says, and the graves were open. My God. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Jesus said of himself, unless the grain of wheat fall to the ground and die. It abides alone, but if it dies, it brings forth what? Much fruit. The father then, God the father, sowed Jesus into the earth. <laughs> Jesus was sown into the grave. He was sown into the earth. And when he was sown into, when he died, before he was even placed in the tomb, just his death caused life to happen. So the Bible says when Jesus died, the bodies of many of the saints, not evil, wicked, ungodly folk, because Jesus was a righteous seed. So the only uh, a life that could come out of it was righteous life. 
Hallelujah. When Jesus was sown, when he died, life came up. The saints came back to life. I I don't want to mess you up too badly, but can you imagine what the saints were saying? Oh, man, I I wish I, well, I don't wish I, because I'm born in the right season and time. But I can imagine in my mind's eye, all these saints walking around that everybody knows was dead 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, and they're walking around. Can you, man, Uncle Frank, tell me what's it like? What was it like being dead? Why are you walking? What's going on? I mean, can you imagine the revelation that some of them probably had? Can you imagine the kind of move of God that was happening in various homes and places as the saints that were dead were resurrected and walked around because of Jesus? Verse 53, 53, and they came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy cities and appeared to many. They, they, after the cross is life, reunions. They went into the holy city. They didn't go to the club. They didn't go to the ball game. They didn't see who was playing uh, in the playoffs. They went to the holy city. They went to where it was holy. See, this is why Holy Week should be a place where holy people assemble. Mm -mm -mm. The time of his death, many came back to life. That's why many should be coming back to life every time we talk about the resurrection. Because God loves to do, like the scripture says, he loves to do what he's already done. I've told you that I'm going to keep saying it until you get it in your head. See, 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 I've watched many great athletes. I've, I've seen many great athletes do things that people, we just, just wonder, just magnificent things from Michael Jordan to Kobe Bryant to Tiger Woods in the golf course. Things no one has ever done before consistently like that. But, you know, there was times that Michael did great things, but they lost. There were times that Tiger hit great shots and he didn't win. See, the reason God likes to do the great things he's already done is to prove his greatness. Because only God can do great things all the time. Man can do great things every now and then. But only God can do great things all the time. The problem is getting you and I to believe it. <laughs> First Corinthians 15, 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come back with? We're talking about after the cross. Well, you know, how, how are the dead raised? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? After all these people rose from the dead along with Christ, people are still asking how it happens. Human nature. Philippians 3.21. The Bible says God will change our vile body. How's it going to happen? God's going to change our vile body. Now, I'm not meaning to be rude or insensitive to anybody I'm just going to talk from the scriptures and I'm going to talk to everyone, even myself, self included. I'm going to tell all of us. We all have a vile body. 
I didn't say you were vile. I said your body, our body is a vile body. Now, now this is, this is going to be news for some of you young people in your, ni- your 19, your teens, and your 20s because you're feeling yourself. You got a six-pack. You know, you got muscles. Yeah, I said muscles. <laughs> yeah, you have muscles. You, you, you got all your hair. And so you love yourself. You know, you, you know, you're all on Twitter and Facebook and folks just giving you thumbs up and giving you hearts and all that kind of stuff. You get, yeah, but, but I want you to know, if you live long enough, if you live long enough, you're going to get mad at this body. So, so, so the scripture says this vile body will be changed. It's going to be fashioned or made like a glorious body. See, that's the one I'm looking forward to. See, the older you get as a believer, you start looking forward to that glorious body because this one be acting up. This one be on tripping. You be praying for it. You lay hands on yourself and oil yourself down and still sometimes. You just, this vile body. It's a vile body, but it's going to be changed. <laughs> According to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. When Jesus was resurrected, he was resurrected with a glorious body. He got rid of the vile body he was carrying around that was beaten, that was hung up, that was uh, stabbed, that was spit on. Yeah, he got rid of that body. That body was weak. That body was frail. We all have that weak, that frail body. But see, this is why we must remember and teach about the resurrection because it will remind us all that we have a glorious body waiting on us. And so this body, I don't care what this body does, you're not going to stop me from getting to that new body. See, you got to keep living. Tell your neighbor, you have to keep living till you get that new body. Amen. Amen. After the cross is a new body. John 2, excuse me, John 21, 14. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was risen from the dead. We're talking about this new body. When you read the scriptures, you realize that new body, that glorious body that Jesus had, sometimes just appeared in rooms. He didn't knock on the door. He didn't ring the doorbell. He just, whoa, Jesus, how you get up in here? It's that new body. It's a glorious body. It's not hindered by what the old body was hindered by. Aren't you glad we're talking about after the cross? There's going to come a time, those of us that are saints, that put our faith in Christ Jesus, we're going to get rid of this vile, weak body. And we're going to put on a glorious body that's not limited by time and space. It's not hindered by buildings and concrete. We can appear certain places and go through walls. Jesus appeared out of thin air in his resurrected body at least three times in the scriptures. Can you just imagine this new body? I know it might be hard for some of you because some of you are so caught up with Marvel comics. You'd rather be Iron Man, Superman, Batman. These are all human attempts 
to have glorious bodies, to have supernatural strength and ability, to be able to do things this vile body can't do. You got to be transformed into Spider-Man. You got to be bit by a spider. I'm telling you now, I don't want to be bit by a spider, but I tell you what, I'll receive the indwelling and the ingrafting word of God, hallelujah, that's able to change me and transform me for time and eternity. I don't have to be Iron Man. I'm going to be made in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. I'm going to follow in the footsteps of him that was crucified, buried, and rose again again on the third day hallelujah that's what we need to remember let me go back just for a minute I'm not going to offend you but I got to make sure you really get this so you can have your hope in the right place the apostle Paul when he uses the word vile to describe our bodies it means low on the scale of body types. This body is low. See, see, I, I know we're, we're, we're <laughs> the apple of God's eye. I know we're the supreme <laughs> beings on this planet. I know that some, of, some people believe in little green men with pea-shaped heads that have superior body. Let me tell you something. This body is the lowest on the scale. Of bodies. That's why Paul said physical exercise profits a little, a little. Yeah, exercise. Yeah, take care of yourself. It's good, good idea. But really understand this body. It's vile. It's the lowest on the scale of anything that has a body. It also means inferior. This body is inferior. We all have inferior bodies. That means there's another level. <laughs> if it's inferior, that means there is a superior. It also means this body is poor in quality. Now, let me help you understand that God didn't create our bodies like this. Sin did this to our bodies. We weren't created in this state, physically, spiritually, or otherwise. We fell to this state. So if you want to get the body God really wants for you, you've got to accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and live a transformed life. Mm -hmm. These bodies, again, I'm not trying to depress anybody. But these bodies break down too easy. Somebody quicken, ooh, shit abasa. Yeah, these bodies break down too easy. Especially the older you get. I ain't trying to put anything on anybody, just in general. Of course, it's happened to me. You know, you, you, you know on Tuesday, your thumb hurt. You don't even know why. You just woke up and your thumb hurt. You go to sleep, wake up Wednesday, your thumb is fine. Now your leg is stiff. <laughs> it's, it's just, it, listen, listen. Rebuke the devil. Do all that. Whatever you feel you need to do. But let me just tell you, it's your body. It's that vile body. That joke ain't going to act right. It's that vile body. <laughs> 
That's why you got to get look forward to your glorious body after the resurrection. Somebody say, after the resurrection. You only get the glorified body after the resurrection. That means you got to go through some stuff, die, and then be resurrected. I wish I could tell you that we're all finished going through some things, but we're not. Jesus' new body was full of power, full of energy. It was, it was not made of the same stuff, the same substance as his old body. No, it wasn't. <laughs> See, the body, I'm going to say this in passing. The body, particularly for the saint, the body is the vehicle of the soul and the spirit. This is why we got to take care of it, because the Holy Spirit lives in this body. And he wants to be in a vehicle he can move around freely in and do ministry. You, you didn't hear me. Holy Ghost lives in the saints body. The saints need to be healthy and whole so we can carry God around and touch the world. This is why, this is why, this is why divine healing is in the kingdom. <laughs> because God will heal you so you can do his work. Let me say it another way. This is why we don't need to be, as Jesus said, don't be afraid of them that can kill the body. God's not going to let anybody kill the body till his spirit is done with the body. I'll write that down. Help somebody. Help them. Help them. Help them. Help. See, see, when, when Corona, I'm going to say this and I'm almost finished. I'm going to leave you, leave you with some thoughts here. I've said this at the beginning of Corona when, when, when I went out on the invitation of Pastor Scott Lee and we, we did ministry in the field and we did ministry on a street corner and we preached and baptized, and laid hands on people at the height of Corona. And people were like, Bishop, Bishop. And, I, and I, I appreciate your love and your prayers. I really do. But here's my point. This is what I've said. That was an assignment from God. See, I told you that, that some 25 years ago, I worked at Abbott Laboratories, and as a trainer, I, I used to have to go to buildings where they were testing and doing, uh, uh, fooling around with, with HIV and, and, and deadly diseases. And I had to go there, and I had to put a bunny suit on. They called it a bunny suit. It's a whole hazmat suit, cover my whole body. And then after I get everything, I just slide my hips over, and I'm on the other side. And I began to think, now, if Abbott Laboratories knows how to protect their employees... I'm an employee of God. I'm full-time ministry by the grace. If, if I believe they can protect me, how would I not believe God can protect me? So this is my position. This is my position of faith. That's why I'm not worried about Corona. I respect it, but I'm not worried about it because I'm on assignment from God. So I'm not going to die until the spirit of God is done with this body. 
I just want somebody to be free from fear right now. Just be free from terrified fear, terrified, being terrified by dying from somebody coughing on you or touching you. Just I rebuke that fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear or timidity, but the spirit of power, love and a sound mind. My body, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I am a vehicle to take the Holy Ghost where he want to go so he can do what he wants to do. I can't let the, I, oh, oh, let me say this and I'm going to move on because I'm not trying to offend anybody intentionally because let me just tell you, the Holy Ghost don't want you to just stay in the house. <laughs> he can't just use you in the house for two, two and a half years. You just in the house. Full of the Holy Ghost and power. What, what, what you what you doing? Turning the coffee pot on with, with your finger? Mm, I mean, what you how, how are you using that power? Of course, I'm joking. So Jesus was resurrected with a new body. He had new abilities. He had new the body had new duration. It wasn't going to die ever again. It's going to live forever. Uh, I said he had new power. Uh, he reacts to the physical world differently. Jesus was appearing and disappearing. I mean, it, time and space had no power over Jesus any longer in this new body. And the same it will be for all that put their faith in Christ Jesus. You and I, we will have a new life. Somebody say a new life. A new life. That's qualitatively. The quality of your life should change when Jesus enters our lives. The quality of our lives. That means the quality of your home life will change. You ain't in there cussing, fighting, drinking, throwing bottles and the knives and shooting at each other. The quality of your life will change here on earth. And it, it, our lives will change quantitatively. We're guaranteed an eternal future. We're going to live forever. Do you believe that? First Peter 1 Peter 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ which according to his abundant mercy watch this hath given us new birth or begotten us again. He gave us a new life. Just like Jesus has a new body. He has a new kind of life. Woo, man. I don't know about you. I've been living a new kind of life now for a good while. Oh, no, no, on the real, real, real. I, I, since I got saved, I've been living a new kind of life. A kind of life I don't want to give up in this world or the world to come. I love the kind of life I'm living now. I hope you really are satisfied in Jesus Christ because he will give you a new kind of life. He will give you a new birth. He will get you again to a lively hope, Paul said, or Peter says, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, a living hope. Do you feel that deep down on the ends? I want to encourage somebody today. I feel like tuning up on a Wednesday night Bible teaching. I want somebody to realize there's new life available to you. There's a living hope that should be 
on the inside of you right now that should be leaping and stirring up and moving and shaking a lively hope. I know things look hopeless. I know things may be bad. I know things may be out of joint in your life, but because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ inside of you ought to be a living hope, a hope that nothing can put out, a hope that nothing can kill, a hope that nothing can extinguish. I got hope on the inside of me. That keeps me getting up every morning. Keeps me praying. I got a hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If God, and he did, raise Jesus Christ from the dead, the same spirit going to raise you up as well. And we're going to live forever in his presence. First Corinthians 2, 8 and 9. Which none of the princes of this, of this world knew. None of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it. Hallelujah. Had they known what they did. They would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Verse 9. But as it is written. But as it is written. I hath not seen nor ear heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for them that love him. Nobody has seen. Nobody has heard the glory that's going to be revealed. Hallelujah. You don't even know what your new body look, is going to look like. You have no idea how awesome you're going to be. But by faith. You know, there's this thing. and I, I'm not knocking it. There's this thing out, it's big, big, I think with the millennials, called body shaming. I want you to know this glorified body ain't nothing you do. Listen, there's no need to be ashamed. I'm living to live again. Amen. <laughs> see, see, Jesus said he's going away to prepare a place for us. Again, 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 44. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Oh, here we go. The answer to the question. It is sown in corruption. On the front side of the cross is pain and suffering. Corruption. <laughs> On the other side of the cross is incorruption. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more crying. Somebody needs to hear this. On the other side of the cross, there's no more crying. Somebody's been crying a lot lately. I want you to put your hope in your future. Because there's coming a time where you will cry no more. <laughs> Verse 43. The other side of the cross on the front side, it's sown in dishonor on the front side of the cross. It's a curse to be hung on a tree on the front side of the cross. Everybody's dogging you and calling you a thief and a calling you out your name, saying you ain't about nothing, telling you you really ain't even saved. But on the other side of the cross. There's glory. <laughs> on the front side of the cross, there's weakness. On the other side of the cross, there's power. 
Verse 44. On the front side of the cross, there's a natural body. On the other side of the cross, there's a spiritual body. So we need to remind ourselves when we see one another going through, there's another side to the cross. Glory to God. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's painful now. Hang in there, brother. Hang in there, sister. There's another side to the cross. What was sown in corruption and weakness is raised in power. What was sown in impurity is raised in purity and indestructible. What was sown in dishonor, what was shameful, what was disgraceful is raised in glory, honor, and splendor. This is your future. Philippians 3, 21. Who shall change our vile body? See, when this body act up, just, t- just tell it. You're going to be changed. I'm going to take you off like I took off Sunday's suit or dress. Mm-hmm. This vile body is going to be changed and made in the fashion of a glorious body. Psalms 17, 15. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied only, I add that emphasis only, when I awake in thy likeness. I'm only going to be satisfied when I wake up resurrected, changed, transformed, given my glorious body to look just like the one Jesus Christ had when he was risen from the dead. I'm not going to be satisfied with a facelift and Botox and a wig on my head. God bless everybody else. I'm only going to be satisfied when I arise in his likeness. Because I'll never be changed. Never be changed. The front side of the cross represents temporary shame, weakness, struggle, and death. The other side of the cross represents permanent strength. Permanent strength. My God, hey, man, can you feel yourself getting permanently strong? Can you feel yourself being in that place where you just nothing can touch you anymore? No sickness, no disease, no demons, no devils, your past, just you're just permanently strong. I want you to get that in your head. Get that in your heart. Permanent strength, glory and honor. No one will ever say anything bad about you again. The power of God will be on your life forever. You will forever walk in the power of God. As I close, everyone stand, please. As I close, my last scripture. Again, one of my favorites, Philippians 3.10. Paul says that I might know him. It's where we started the first first of the month. It's where we started, that I might know him. Hallelujah. I pray you've gotten to know more about your Savior in the power of his resurrection. I pray you began to remember the things that you've heard over the years in Sunday school and YPWW and wherever you may have been taught that you begin to remember the power of his resurrection. So that same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead can rise up on the inside of you and drive out all fear and sickness and disease. Everything that's not like God, the same power can quicken your mortal body. I pray that 
miraculous power. That's why we call April the month of miracles because resurrection was one of the greatest miracles of the human experience that God came in flesh and lived and ministered and died but rose again from the dead. And before he left here, he said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. That's what you and I need to remember. Lift your hands all over this building. Knowing Christ in the power of his resurrection is understanding the cross. It's understanding what it means for Christ and his church. There's another side to the cross. Most of our attention has been on the front side of the cross. But there's the back side. There's the other side where the glory is that you need to know as well, that you need to think about as well, that you need to meditate on as well. So that same glory, that same power, that same ability that produces the new life, hallelujah, will produce new life in you. I speak new life over you, into you, by his word, by his spirit, new life, resurrection power, things that were dead come back to life, things that God wasn't finished with, let him come back into your hands, things that the enemy stole from you, let it be returned to you in the name of Jesus. I speak health, I speak miracles over your mind, miracles over your body, miracles in your finances, miracles in your marriage, miracles in your neighborhood, in your community, miracles in our schools. I speak resurrection power in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that is the savior of the entire world. Only through him do we have eternal life. And we will never forget. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're watching by way of video, you've not made Jesus Christ your Savior and your Lord. You've not confessed him and the pardoning of your sin. Do it now, God. Do it now. Pray this prayer. I feel the pull of God. Pray this prayer with me right now. Repeat after me. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. Jesus, I believe you're the Savior of the world. Jesus, I am a sinner in need of saving. Save me now, Jesus. Save my soul now. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me with your blood. Fill me with your spirit. Use me for your glory. Let me be now an example of what you have been for millions and millions and millions throughout the millennia. Show up strong in me and let me be an example to the world of the power of your resurrection. In Jesus name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to hear from you. We need to hear from you. Please visit our website. CFFCZion.org. You're already on it, some of you. And let us know and someone will reach out to you and be a blessing in your life. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us. I also want to thank you in advance for clicking on the link 
to support our ministry. Your giving is what moves ministry forward and ministry must move forward. You can also visit us online at cffczion.org for more information. If you were blessed by this word, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. God bless you.